You are listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Citizens Church exists to saturate Bryan College Station, Texas with the good news and love of Jesus. To learn more about Citizens Church, visit us online at citizensbcs.com. Today's message is from Pastor Ben Rush. Um, so if everyone would grab your Bible, if you've got it handy or in the... Um, the guide that we sent out, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. And uh, just so you know, we are doing a very slow teaching through uh, the book of Luke right now because we're actually, we're reading in Luke as a church. And so if you're not a part of the Bible reading plan, I just want to encourage you to jump in on that. So we read uh, chapters 3 through 7 last week, and then we're jumping in Luke chapter 8 tomorrow. And so um, that's where we're at. We're just doing a very fast teaching through the book of Luke. So tonight we'll be in Luke chapter six, verse 37 through 42. Here's the reading. It says this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like him. you look at the speck of sawdust in the brother's I'm sorry. Sorry. I don't know who it is. Okay. They got it. Sorry about that. Verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will be able to see clearly and to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is God's holy word. Okay, so can you guys think of a time in your life where there was more division uh, and disagreement about so many issues other than the days that we're living in right now? I can't. And you might disagree with me, but don't judge me. Just hold on for a second. Think about it. Uh, There are so many conflicting opinions on every side of every Uh, issue imaginable right now, running right alongside the disagreements and the conflict in parallel with healthy progress and breakthrough and freedom is the subtle temptation to judge someone in a way that completely writes them off or cancels them. And man, Christians are the worst. I mean, if someone says or does something or said or did something that we deem too far, we happily jump into the seat of Christ, the judgment seat against them. And in many cases, we should. And in many cases, Jesus invites us to do that. But we should not memorialize or prop up Uh, anyone who participated in slavery of any kind. And we should not idealize bigotry or prejudice or misogyny of any kind. And on a day like today, when our president retweets a tweet uh, supporting someone saying white power and then deleting it this morning, 
we shouldn't be happy about it. It should cause us to be angry, regardless of your political affiliation or who you're planning on voting for, who you did vote for, regardless of who the president is, that shouldn't have been retweeted. And so there are healthy conversations that are happening in places that they were not happening before, which is progress. Uh, Mississippi voted this last week to remove the state flag uh, that has the Confederate flag in it. People and businesses and nations should be held accountable for poor systems and poor beliefs and for inaction. And as a friend of mine said earlier today, this is the narrow path. Right alongside this judgmental uh, bent that we have is compassion. And how do we engage in that? How do we engage in a culture, the cancel culture, that we now all live in, this ideology that we would just completely delete someone from society as if they're not a human being? Uh, We are all judgmental, by the way. If you don't think you're judgmental, just ask yourself this question. What do you think about people who you think are judgmental? Don't you also judge them? (laughs) Yeah, we we do. We all judge them as well. (laughs) So don't judge me has become this stereotypical hashtag uh, for those inside and outside of the family of God. And we don't want to be confronted about the things that we know are wrong in us. Uh, Tim Mackey said this, we have the tendency to combine arrogance toward others and ignorance towards ourselves. Think about that. That's not to say that confrontation in the church or in the world uh, isn't abused, right? But this phrase, don't judge me, is also a tool that we use to justify our own sinful behaviors. And we live in a weird time. We live in a time where uh, to disagree means to hate. And for the disciple of Jesus, what Jesus is saying in this passage today, without the shame of judgment, for us to receive the correction and rebuke from another brother or sister in Jesus can actually make us more like Jesus. And so quickly, uh, tonight, I've got two or three objectives. We're just going to simply focus in on the topics of forgiveness, confrontation, judgment, and grace. And we're going to answer two basic questions. What is uh, basic questions? What is Jesus not saying? And what is Jesus saying. Verse 37, he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. So before we begin, I think we need to break down the word judge. Like what does that mean? Uh, The English word translated as judge comes from the Greek word krino, which means to decide. And there are a lot of translations. I mean, there are just a lot of them, but there are three basic definitions. The first one is to make a selection. It's like when you have two or more options, we evaluate, we decide what it's going to be. Is it going to be harvest coffee today? Is it going to be lupas today? I mean, clearly it's going to be harvest coffee. It's, it's when we make a decision that's based on experience. Uh, the second definition refers to a panel of experts who make a decision, a group of people who are called upon to give their expert opinion, much like American Idol or Dancing with the Stars or Top Chef. Okay, so lastly, there's this definition that's like a professional judge or a legal judge. And this is someone that's given a complex or difficult legal matter to decide. And these people offer judgment, and we call these people judges. 
Okay, so what is Jesus not saying? There's a lot. Okay, Jesus is not saying that it's wrong for us to use our brains and refer to past experiences when we're making very important decisions. He's not saying that. He's also not saying that it's wrong to have a preference and that we should just like completely abandon all of our convictions and our critical thinking. He's not bashing the judges of American Idol or the Mass Singer or Iron Chef. He's not saying that it's wrong to have a judicial system of judges who weigh in on the interpretation of law. He's not saying that we should never make any judgments or that we should never have hard or difficult conversations or to confront people. He's not saying that people should uh, not be held accountable for their actions. There are actually plenty of places in the New Testament that encourage the judging and the correction of apprentices of Jesus who have sinful behaviors. And the question is, what do we do with that? What, what do we do with the tension? If we have a friend that is living in sin, uh, there's a temptation to read this passage and to deduce that Jesus is saying that it's wrong for us to think or discern or correct or call a brother or sister out in love. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's simply showing us how to hold others accountable without attacking them as human beings or making them feel rejected. And this is something deeper that I think that Jesus is calling us to as his disciples. Let's look at verse uh, 38. Verse 38 says, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So this is interesting. This is uh, I think Jesus is trying, what he's trying to do is differentiate between different kinds of judging. He's saying that there's something that we do in a way that we think about others that's actually corrosive and destructive. There's different ways. The measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, uh, we can do this in a way that's gracious or in a way that's harsh. I can make assumptions and assume motives that you don't have. I can fill in gaps and jump to conclusions based on my experience uh, when I'm in conflict with someone else. And that's actually what Jesus is referring to. When we observe appearances, behaviors, uh, we tend to dehumanize people. And instead of recognizing their complexity and their dignity as an image bearer, we strip all of that away and we define them by a choice or behavior that we disagree with. So I think this is really important, especially in the day and age that we're living in. Um, when we assign people to a category, we say like, he is this kind of person or she is that kind of person. And, and maybe we even go further and we assume that God's on our side. And surely like Jesus is like behind us, like pointing the finger with us at the other person. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Uh, so how do we engage in judgment without being harsh, without being unloving? That's the place where Jesus is going. That's what he's telling us how to do. Verse 41, we're going to skip down. Verse 41, Jesus says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Um, Jesus is a comedian. For those of you that did not know that, we're, we're supposed to laugh when he says this whole bit, right? The plank eye thing. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys were around in the mid-90s and you listened to the band Plank Eye, one of my favorite bands, uh, but maybe I'm aging myself right now. I don't, I don't really know. But Jesus is painting a picture of a literal beam or a telephone pole like sticking out of your eye. It's ridiculous and it's hilarious and we're supposed to laugh. 
And, and Jesus is not saying that there's no speck in the other person's eye. It's totally there. It's definitely there. They've got an issue. They've got a character flaw. They've done or said something stupid. But before you even think about addressing it, Jesus is saying you better do some work on you because you've got this like telephone pole sticking out of your head and you look foolish. And if you go like call somebody out about the speck of dust, they're going to call you a hypocrite and you're a hypocrite. Jesus is saying that our role as a son or a daughter of God is to facilitate healing rather than just sizing someone up and writing somebody off or slandering them. So if we're a disciple and we see someone else make a judgment, the first thing that Jesus wants us to do is to assume that our vision, what we're seeing is impaired. We have our own issues. I have my own issue. I've got my own uh, sin nature and that affects my ability to see clearly. And so we just need to assume that our vision is impaired. We have to evaluate ourselves. Am I seeing things clearly? And I, I just assume that I'm not. And I take those things to the cross of Jesus and I, I confess those things. And I do that before I start engaging in any kind of judgment on someone else. Just assume I don't have the whole story. I mean, humans are incredibly complex. Our motives and our rationale are super, super complex. We just assume like, I don't see the whole picture here. I don't know everything that's going on. It may be that you're right. It may be that they're actually wrong, but we have to first look in the mirror. So when you and I assume that we're not seeing clearly, we're not seeing clearly, it's, it's incredibly humbling and it gives us pause, right? Let's say they do have a speck and we should always assume, assume that our sin and pride and self-worth issues, our own insecurity and, and all of that is way more offensive than anything else I'm noticing or observing in the other person, right? Jesus in his life and our life as his students, our life as his apprentices and us following him, we're modeling, modeling our life after his teaching and that life is a life that's committed to self-reflection, honest evaluation, humility and vulnerability with Jesus. Instead of just assuming that we're in a position to condemn someone, we should assume that that kind of tone is inappropriate. And we should assume that we have our own issues to deal with that are way more serious. It has nothing to do with the phrase, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I mean, that's about me. Jesus is actually saying, don't judge other people. It's different. And so this doesn't mean that you don't have a conversation, but it instead forces you to dig into the gospel and to walk away changed first. Um, like, God, how do I deal with this issue? I've got a, a telephone pole sticking out of my head. How do I get this thing out of my head? I go to him uh, in humility. I confess my sin. I repent. I acknowledge that I am desperate. I'm in need of him. I have serious issues. I have this two by four uh, that's clouding my view. I can't see clearly. And so before I go to him or her, I've got to listen to Jesus and read about his life. How did he respond to other people that had uh, telephone poles sticking out of their head? Like, okay, well, I see how he did it. That's how I need to respond. I mean, look at the, the one that uh, lived for me, died for me, was raised for me, how he uh, is present now. In, in our lives. I mean, he's the only one that's really qualified to judge and he never dehumanizes or writes anyone off. Jesus doesn't come to condemn us. That's in his own uh, autobiography. I didn't come to condemn the world, to save the world. That's what he said. He loves me. He gave his life for me. When I go there first, this has the ability to completely 
change me. Okay, coming in for a landing. I want to give us four quick thoughts, four ways to avoid being judgmental. And some of this is going to be redundant, but the four things are look in the mirror, forgive and keep forgiving, give grace generously and confront in humility. Number one, look in the mirror. So the thing is, is we've got to deal with our sin, our pain, our loneliness, our family history. We've got to take care, like take inventory of our own stuff because we all have distorted lenses. We have limited perception. We all have our own biases. Remember a few weeks ago, I, I told you about a conversation I had with Thad Norville. Thad said, don't call your biases wisdom, right? Or don't call your distorted lens discernment. Don't call your limited perception insight. We've got to look in the mirror first. Number two, forgive and keep forgiving. If someone hurts you, forgive them. It's like the hardest thing in the world to do. It's totally opposite from what you want to do. Most of us have a tendency to grow harsh and critical towards those who have hurt us. So I just want to say be careful just from personal experience uh, because people who don't and people who won't forgive are typically harsh and judgmental people. So Jesus is saying for us to be generous in our forgiveness. He's uh, saying that if we don't forgive, that he won't forgive us, which is really scary. It's a really scary concept. So he's also like in a, in a way, in another way, Paul says later to take every thought captive, right? Make them obedient to Christ. And so when we're thinking about this person that's wronged us, that that's really frustrated us or really hurt us, uh, we take that person to Jesus and we say, is this thought that I have about this person, is it honoring? Is it helpful to the other person? Is it honoring to you, Jesus? And if he says no, then that's it. We just got to trash it and move on. But if, if, if he says no, that, that that's actually true. That's, that's good. I, I want you to press into that. Then we, we look in the mirror first and then we take this thing to that person and say, Hey, this is what you've done. You said this, you did this and it really affected me in this way. And we still release them to in forgiveness. Like to forgive someone is basically to say, they owe me nothing. Like they don't owe me anything. I totally forgive them. And so Jesus is saying, you forgive them, you keep forgiving. And he says this, actually, a verse earlier, uh, we're in verse 37 through 42. Verse 36, uh, he says, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. Be merciful. And so uh, when we think about giving grace or forgiving others, we're thinking about being like God and being merciful. Um, the English poet and philosopher John Ruskin said this, this is one of my favorite quotes. The first test of a truly great person is his or her humility. When they see something divine in every other human and are endlessly, foolishly, and incredibly merciful. Endlessly, foolishly, and incredibly merciful. That's generous grace. I mean, we moved to the point of curiosity. There's a book called Up the Mood Elevator. It's a quick little uh, fable for business people. If you want to read it, Up the Move Elevator. Up the Move Elevator. Uh, go to the place of curious. There's a chapter on like hitting the button that takes you to the floor curious instead of just going to, to anger. You go to curious and you ask questions. Believe the best. Look for the good. See the person where they're at. Maybe you are like me and you're just kind of like a, like a naturally skeptical person. We got to check ourselves. We got to take that back to the Lord. Go back to step number one and look in the mirror, right? Um, we're not supposed to measure grace carefully, but we're supposed to be generous. Verse 38 has to be one of the most proof texted 
verses in the Bible. Maybe it's in the top 10, at least. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It'll be poured into your lap. I hear that verse a lot when people are taking offerings. (laughs) And I'm sure the concept applies, but that's not actually what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about forgiving people. He's talking about uh, forgiving in that way, giving grace. Don't be judgmental and harsh, right? Be forgiving, be gracious, be merciful. Uh, the, the earlier section talks about loving one another, which we've talked a whole lot about. I mean, if we are harsh, uh, that's what, what we will receive. That's the whole picture. Like if we're generous with grace, people are going to be generous back with us. If we're harsh with other people, they're going to be harsh with us. And, and not just other people, but also God, which is super scary. N.T. Wright said this, think of the best thing that you can do for the worst person and go do it. Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and do it for them. Think of the people whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. These instructions have a fresh spring-like quality. They are all about new life and bursting out energetically like flowers growing through concrete and startling everyone with their color and vigor. The whole motivation of doing this is because that is exactly what God is like. Generous to all people, generous to a fault, providing good things for all to enjoy. He's astonishingly merciful. How can we, his children, be any less? Forgive and keep forgiving. Be radical in your grace towards other people. Give grace generously. Number four, confront in humility. Confront in humility. After you've done all these steps, and not until you do all these steps, then confront in humility. Galatians chapter six, verse one says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Perfect example. He's not saying not to engage in difficult conversations, calling a brother or sister out. Just do it with gentleness, a spirit of gentleness. Jesus's point is not that we don't judge. It's just a warning that the way that we judge people is the way that we'll be judged by God. And this is a humbling thought. Uh, It's an act of love, really, to challenge someone uh, with a sin problem or a character flaw. It's an incredibly gift if it's done gently and humbly. I mean, I think about my own life. If someone loves me and I know that they're for me and they've earn the right through years of relationship or whatever. I trust them. They speak into my life and they, they want to challenge me and call me out. That's an incredible gift. It's, it's actually one of the best gifts. And so we're not supposed to avoid this. It's just about the way that we approach our judgment. Are, are we doing it in a way that's like helpful to someone? I mean, I heard this quote recently. It said, if, if the criticism that you're about to give to someone gives you pain, then do it. If it gives you the slightest pleasure, keep your mouth shut. And man, that's hard to do. Think about that. The next time that you want to engage with someone in a way, we're wanting to build them up, not beat them down. They might've done something wrong, but there's a way to do it. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. So how do we avoid being judgmental? We look in the mirror, we forgive, we keep forgiving, we give grace generously, and we confront in humility. So I'm about to pray, but I mean, just thinking about this, I don't know where you're at as you are thinking about this with me right now. I mean, 
all of these things are incredibly difficult. I mean, just in my own life, I've just completely blown it in this last week. Um, and I blow, I blow it all the time. But I'll tell you, it, it, it keeps me going back to my knees and receiving the grace of God. It takes the grace of God. We cannot do this on our own. Only God can transform us. And so we have to depend on God. It takes dependence on God, deep dependence on God. Steph was talking about knowing the character of Jesus with the kids earlier. And it's just, it's, it's time with him. It's listening. It's worship. It's opening his word. It's prayer. It's all the time. And just asking him to help you and give you grace to transform. God, transform you. It takes humility, guys. It takes humility. Humble people are not judgmental people. Proud people are judgmental. I mean, it reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and just the whole list the whole chapter describing describing what love is. It's humbling, guys. It's humbling. Um, it takes a deep sense of God's love for us. We talked about forgiving other people. I mean, if you err on the side of being a little critical or judgmental, I mean, it, it, not only do you have to forgive others, but a lot of times it's it's forgiving yourself because you can be extremely, any Enneagram ones out there, you just know you're really hard on yourself. Any criticism that you're projecting on someone really is just an extension of how you feel about yourself. And so it takes a deep sense of God's love for us in receiving his forgiveness, his grace for us. And, and, and in just an awareness that the more that I drink uh, in of God's love, the more that I will love others in this same way. And so I just want to encourage you, you guys, especially in, in, a, in a world that just seems to be falling apart in some ways, uh, drink in God's love daily, 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 uh, deeply, and uh, be transformed by Him. Thanks for joining us today for the message. We hope it was encouraging to you. To learn more about Citizens Church, including gathering times and locations, or to give financial support, please visit citizensbcs.com. And again, Thanks for listening to the Citizens Church Podcast.